Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Hello, good morning. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. We're going to invite our ushers to come forward to give an offering together. If you all would pray with me before we get into all of that, that'd be lovely. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for um, continued invitations to your kingdom. Thank you for uh, a place to sit at your table. Thank you for always being invited to the cool kids team. God, thank you for just believing in us and fighting for our hearts and uh, just calling us again and again and again uh, just to, to come and, and grab hold of you with your, your arms wide open. Some of us have maybe been running away from you for a long time. We're afraid maybe that uh, we, we've messed up too much, but that's, that's not who you are. You're the God who waits with arms wide open. You're the God who comes and finds the lost sheep. Thank you for who you are. We give you this offering, and we pray that more people would come to know who you really are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, all right. Well, hey, a, a couple important things before we get started with the, the teaching portion. Uh, today is going to be pretty fun. We are having uh, a couple cool things happen right after the service today that you are invited to. Uh, we're going to have a food truck outside with free lunch. If you didn't have any lunch plans or even if you had some but you're cheap, Hey, there's going to be free food outside. Um, one of the, the, the members here, well, we don't really have members, but one of our, one of our regulars, um, and a resident chef who, um, he cooks in our kitchen downstairs uh, as, as part of his business, um, and he likes to say thank you to our church for different things that we've helped with. And one of the things that he's doing is providing free lunch today uh, to any and all of you. Along with that, uh, we are going to be doing an outreach together. We, we would love to have your help with it. We're going to be going out into the neighborhood and just cleaning up the area. And so any garbage that we see along the streets, there, there's more information in your program about it, but uh, we would love to have your help just beautifying Chevois. <laughs> and uh, it's not going to take all day or anything. You can, you can help out for as long as you want to, but um, if there's a, a good-sized group of us, we can knock out a pretty decent amount of work pretty quickly. Um, I'd love to see you there. Uh, with that... We're going to jump into it. You guys good? Yeah. All right. Well, here's what I want to talk about today. Uh, I have been trying to be a, a better believer, 
been trying to be a better pastor uh, in some various ways. And one of the things that I felt like I, I wanted to be better about lately is just praying more for uh, the church overall, uh, praying for the, the health of the church, praying for God to be putting the right people in the right places, praying for uh, new people to be coming to Christ and, and learning who he is. And uh, in the midst of that, I kind of found um, a theme that kept popping up where I, I was praying for you all a, a good amount, <laughs> um, just praying for every one of you that is here today. Some of you are like, not me, I wasn't here last week. It was... No, I was praying for you praying for a lot of different things, but I wanted to share with you some of the things that uh, have been popping up into my brain and uh, the ways that, that I've been saying a little prayer for you. And so today is going to be um, maybe mostly about um, just some, some reminders about who God is and the things I've been praying for you, that it, it always comes down to this stuff, the most important things to me. And so we're going to look through the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians, the Apostle Paul um, begins the book by praying for the congregation of Ephesus. Ephesus is a church uh, that... Paul is overseeing. He's, he's not even um, in the vicinity most of the time, but he's encouraging them. He's giving them instructions on, on how to operate as a new church, and he's continually praying for them. And it gives us kind of an insider peek at um, the, the way he's been praying for them and what is most important to him for a, a church to be strong. So, some of you, I will never get to, to meet you. I'll never get to really know you on a, a deep level. That's been one of the weird parts of um, growing over the years as we've changed. Uh, at the very beginning, when there weren't a lot of people, when we were first starting, we knew everybody. And so, it was kind of a thing where, oh my God, I, they weren't at church. I was taking attendance all the time. Now, I, I don't know. And sometimes, um, some of you are shy and you never come up and say hello. And some of that's my fault because I've said I don't like to be said hello to. <laughs> Sorry. I, I do. I, I really do. Come and say hi if we haven't met. But Ephesians chapter 1 um, is a, 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 a section, a, a paragraph, not even the entire chapter, but a paragraph of the Bible where um, it's, it's all about thanksgiving and prayer. And this is stuff that you can pray for the people in your life. And I wanted you to know it's the, the things that I've been praying for you. Ephesians chapter 1 says this, for this reason, ever since, this is the Apostle Paul, he's the, 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 
the main pastor overall of this church. He's saying, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So that you may know him better. And so if you're a, a note taker, if you want to know what um, I've been praying for you, little prayer number one is this. I want you to know the person of Jesus. I want you to know the person of Jesus. Um, as I said, it's, it's been kind of strange not knowing everyone anymore. Um, if you're not familiar, when we first started this church, um, we began meeting in a, well, at the very beginning, we met in a coffee house with a, a very, very small group of people. Then eventually we moved into uh, Dater High School. We rented that for a little while. We grew up to however many, 30, 40, 50 people. After that, we began renting the Danbury Dollar Saver movie theater. We thought we were moving up. We found out differently. <laughs> Eventually, we ended up buying this building. And um, just through those years, as we grew, you, you can't know everybody anymore. And so people will come and go, and I'll say, man, I have seen, those, I've seen that family three different times, but I've never got to say hello. I've never, I've never got to meet them. Who is that guy? Uh, or people are being brought up in different meetings. And yeah, have you heard of so-and-so? They're taking this class, and they might be a good fit. for." I'm like, I have no idea who that guy is. It just is a little bit harder. And I feel like I miss certain chances um, to interact with some of you. I want you to know, though, that I'm praying for you. In the midst of that praying, I have to go through some different weird things because sometimes when I, I see um, some of you who I haven't got to meet before and you, you leave and I, I'm afraid I'm going to miss out on something. Like maybe I'll, I'll fail to lock you up somehow. It's kind of the, the old salesman part of me still is like, oh, no, I got I to gotta make sure that they, they know I'm... That, that I'm nice and I want them here so they keep coming back. And, uh, and it's this weird thing where God has continually had to remind me that um, I'm not the important one. And is my goal that people would get to know me better or that they would get to know Jesus better? Because the world doesn't really need more of Ryan. I mean, it's, it's enough. But the world does need more of Jesus. And so are we trying to build a church where everybody can know the pastor? Or are we trying to build a church where everyone can know who Jesus is? Here's the, cause here's the secret. I, I can't do any of the cool stuff. <laughs> like, I can't do anything about your soul. I can't 
save you. Um, I can't give you salvation. I can't fix your family. I can't fix your marriage. I can't fix your finances. I can't heal you. I can't do much when it really comes down to it. But the thing that I am able to do is I can introduce you to the one who can. I can teach, I can preach, I can pray. And this is what's become my prayer for you, that you would know the person of Jesus. That you'd know his heart. Because when you... I know at, at church they're always talking about, you need to know Jesus, you need to love Jesus. I, I wish I could say it in such a perfect way that you would know him like you know a friend. That you would know him where you start to take things personally in good and bad ways. That if someone begins to talk about Jesus in a certain way that you would be to the point of knowing him where you go, oh, no. That's not, that is not the Jesus I know. Where, where you would just know him. Like, you start to take things personally. My wife, Allison, is, <laughs> it's, one of, it's one of the best things in the world. Um, sometimes I have to be careful. Though. If I'm criticized ever by any of you lovely church people who never criticize When it happens, um, my wife wants to fight you. <laughs> and I think she'll win. She comes to my defense. She gets fired up over people who are critical of me. And it's because of that thing that happens where she's like, they, they're saying these things, they don't know you how I know you. They don't know your heart. They don't know the intention of what you were saying. They don't know, uh, they're, they're just saying these things. They don't really know who you are. In Proverbs chapter 9, it says, Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Do not rebuke mockers. Like somebody who would come along and say something that is kind of out of line. They're criticizing you in a bad way. Um, it just, it's just kind of, you know what? There's not really even any point in going after those people. The translation is, haters gonna hate. <laughs> and so you don't need, you don't have to, you don't have to respond to all of it. But I get this feeling because I... I feel like I know Jesus in a certain way now where when I overhear people talk badly about Jesus or even when I'm just reading things online, people are saying, blah, 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 God isn't real because of the, and just whatever kind of stuff, just any bad-mouthing of Jesus, it gets me fired up. So I'm like, you're not talking about the Jesus that I know. Like, that's not... The Jesus, I know it all, and also, I don't think that I'm making it up in my head. You're just revealing to me that you don't know who he is. And I have to remind myself that they don't know him the way that I know him. They don't know him that way. Our purpose as a, a church is to help the world 
know him better, to know Jesus in a, a deeper way. Our, our, oh, I fell downstairs, but it didn't look like it. What happened? Our mission at Vineyard Westside is to bring the incredible life of Jesus to the lost and the broken. To bring the incredible life of Jesus to the lost and the broken, that people would get to know him better. They would know who he is as a person, his personality, what he likes and what he dislikes. And so that's one of the things that I've been praying for you, that you would know Jesus. And not that you would know about Jesus. Not that you would know about him. Um, I've met a lot of people over the years now who know a lot of stuff about Jesus, and some of them don't know Jesus. They know all kinds of things about him, all kinds of things that they've read, all kinds of things that they've studied, classes they've went to, uh, just what, but they don't, they, don't really, they don't really know him. A lot of people think they know Jesus because they've read some facts I'd argue that you know about Jesus, but you don't really know him. If, like, it's kind of like if you're dating someone, um, anybody dating right now, you're in a dating relationship, a few of you dating, and you get to this point where you feel like, you, oh, I, I know him so well. We're so connected. We just, we never never met with somebody on this level before. We know all about each other. We finish each other's sentences. And you think you know all about them, right? Can I get a witness from married people in this room <laughs> that you have no idea? You have no idea who that person is. They are on their best behavior right now. <laughs> like, they are playing the game. And so it is that dating infatuation phase where you're like, <laughs> whatever, just, uh-huh, you got something on your face. Get married, it's like, ugh, that's something on your face. You just, you just don't have any idea yet. Once you're married, uh, did you know that once you're married, sometime right after the honeymoon, um, he begins clipping his toenails on the coffee table and leaves them in a little pile from now on. Never did it before. From now on, you're going to notice how gross she really sounds when she blows her nose. You're like, do you have to, like, you can't blow it a different way? When you're not trying to impress the person anymore all of a sudden, though, it, it changes a little bit. Some of you are in that place where you, like, you claim to know Jesus, but you haven't, you haven't taken it to that next level yet. Sometimes we say we know Jesus because we come to church uh, one or two Sundays a month, but we never pick up our Bible or we never pray. We never try to meet with him. And so we think we know, but we don't really know. Because when you know him, knowing him is to love him. 
I believe that any person that we're able to get into the same room with Jesus, there's a really good chance they'll fall in love with him. I had no intention of doing it myself. I got into the same room with Jesus because I was trying to impress my then girlfriend. And I ended up falling in love with Jesus in the process when I started to get to know him a little bit. To know him is to love him. And to love him is to serve him. To serve him is to glorify him. To glorify him is to worship and obey him with your life. To love him is to keep chasing after him. Um, any married people in the room, if you want to stay married, you will need to keep chasing after her. You will need to keep chasing after him. You don't go, well, we signed the document. It will die. To love someone is to keep chasing after them. Some of you here today, you... You don't have any idea how compassionate Jesus is. And so you'll struggle with that question all the time. Well, where was Jesus when this bad thing happened to me? And that's a, that's, it's an indicator that you don't know how compassionate he is. That he's hurt more than you've ever hurt in the midst of that situation. When you come to know him, you know his compassion for you. When you come to know him, you're not scared of him anymore. You're not afraid to bring your sin to him. If you're in a place right now where um, you're, you're trying to hide sin from uh, the all-powerful being of the universe, like, oh, maybe he won't find out. But it's coming from that place of, I, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want him to be disappointed. He already knows about it. But when you know him, you're not afraid of him anymore. You're not scared to bring your sin to him because you know how compassionate he is. When you come to know him, you realize that it's not about the stuff that you've done wrong. It's about everything he did right on the cross. Some of you are still afraid to approach God because you don't feel worthy. I know people who have been Christians for 20, 30, 40 years who are still struggling every day with, am I really saved? Does God really love me? Have I really been forgiven? The bad news is you don't know Jesus very well. The good news is, yes, you have been forgiven. Yes, you have been saved. Yes, he will forgive you again. Yes, he still wants you. Yes, he's still searching for you. Yes, his arms are still wide open. That he accepts you in your weaknesses. That's the, the, the moment where he gets to step up and be strong for you. Some of you don't have any idea how creative Jesus is. That he provides creative miracles to people all the time. You might be in that place of thinking that, well, I can only ask for certain stuff like, do I need to, I need to be either, I need to be caught in adultery, I need to be blind, I need to be, like, need a drink at a wedding kind of thing. Jesus is doing creative miracles with people all the time. And just reading through the Gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can, 
see this, that Jesus never healed people the same way twice. It was like he was doing it on purpose. He wanted to make sure that we weren't putting together some kind of mathematical formula where we said, okay, so what we have to do is we have to follow Jesus for 200 steps. And he was, every time he did a miracle, it was in a different way. One guy comes along and he's blind and Jesus spits onto the ground, gets down, rubs it around, makes mud from his own saliva, rubs that into a guy's eyes, and he's healed of his blindness. The next guy comes along, and he just touches him on the shoulder, and he's healed of his blindness. I would prefer to be the second guy. <laughs> but it's just, it's just who he is, and it's how he is. He's creative with the way that he reaches people. He's creative with the pictures that he puts in people's minds. He's creative with the dreams that he gives to you. He's creative with the healing process. He's creative with how he can restore your family. He's got a personality. In Philippians chapter 3, it says this, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. I pray that you would know the person of Jesus, that you would know him more intimately. And a lot of that means like just knowing what pleases him and knowing what doesn't. Not what do I do to make him love me more? You, that's not going to, he already loves you beyond anything that you could imagine, but you are able to do certain things that make him smile that make him want to interact with you more. Things that he likes, things that he doesn't like. I've been married to my wife for 17 years, right? <laughs> Pretty sure. And I've just come to know the stuff that my wife likes, things that please her. I know how she likes her back scratched. I know if she's in the mood for chocolate or Swedish fish. I know like certain stuff about her that she likes, and I know certain things that grieve her, things that she doesn't like. I've been with her. I know her. I love her. And so I know these things. Also, this is a side thing, but this isn't in there. Because um, I keep hearing... <laughs> Like, I, I figured certain things out about her, a, a bunch of them. I know how she works. I hear guys all the time, guys, stop being dumb. Guys all the time say, oh, I can't figure out women. When you're having a problem with your lady, um, you don't need to figure out women. You need to figure out your woman. That's it. Just one. Don't figure them all out. Just figure yours out. Anyways, pray that you would know Jesus well enough that you'd be convicted by him when you're doing something that he doesn't like. But I know what Jesus would want me to do here, and this is not what I'm doing. And so you know what? I, I'm not going to get in legal trouble for this. I'm not going to get in relationship trouble with other people doing this thing but this is something that I don't think Jesus would like 
for me to do. And the way I know him, I'm just deciding I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to be that way. I'm not going to say that thing. I'm not going to do that thing I was going to do. To be able to do that, though, you've got to know him. You have to know his heart, know his character. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. I never knew you. Every time I've read this, this always feels so harsh. Just like, haven't we been doing the things that we thought you would like for us to do? Well, it's an indicator that maybe you haven't really known him. He's going to say plainly, I never knew you. I'm praying that you get to know him. I grew up in this, um, this apartment complex where in, in my building, like my best friend lived uh, on the same floor of the apartment building that I was in. And his mom was a little crazy, and um, I, I always, like, I always messed up. I always stepped in it with her, constantly. Anytime that, because she would joke with me and make fun of me in different ways, and uh, anytime that I thought we were to that point in the relationship where I was able to, like, make fun of her back a little bit in some way, uh, <laughs> She would say every time, uh-uh, you don't know me like that. And then begin to just like eviscerate me in some way. Uh-uh, you don't know me like that. You ain't coming in here making fun of me. I hate the idea that There will be so many people who uh, stand before Jesus at some point in their life and they're thinking about the stuff that they did for him or the, the church or if they were on the right side of being good or bad or good deeds or bad deeds and Jesus saying, uh-uh, you didn't know me. You didn't know me like that. Like that we weren't to the place that you thought we were. Ephesians 1 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. Little prayer number two for me, for you, is that I want you to know the purpose and the provision of God. So I want you to know the person of Jesus and also, I want you to know the purpose and provision of God, the purpose that he has for you and the provision that he has for you, the things that are promised to you. It says that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you would know the hope to which he's called you. I'm not praying that he would give you hope. Some of you feel like you don't, you don't have hope right now with whatever you have going on. I, I'm not going to pray that you would be given hope. You already have hope. You have it. 
Some of us haven't picked it up. Some of us haven't unwrapped the present. Some of us haven't taken it out to play with yet. But you have hope. And I'm praying that he would be able to open your eyes to the hope that you already have. He's already provided this for you. He's already provided a purpose for you. If you feel like, I just don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what God would want me to do. I don't know what my purpose is. He has provided a purpose for you. It maybe just hasn't been discovered yet. I'm praying that his he'd be able to open your eyes to see it. I found there's a theological poem that I love that I feel like illustrates this. Uh, is it okay if I read this to you? It says, come and listen to a story about a man named Jed. <laughs> a poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed. Then one day he was shooting at some food and up through the ground came a bubbling crude. Oil, that is. Black gold, Texas tea. Well, the first thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. Kinfolk said, Jed, move away from there. They said California is a place you ought to be, so they loaded up the truck and they moved to Beverly. Hills, that is. Swimming pools, movie stars. First thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. Um, it's, it's just kind of interesting because that, that can't, it can't be true that the, the first thing in this story that's so incredible is that the first thing is that he's a millionaire. The thing is, Jed was loaded the whole time. He was loaded. The entire time that he lived in this place, that oil was under his feet the entire time. This is just the moment of discovery that we're hearing the song about. It's the moment of recognizing what has been there the entire time. What I want to tell you guys is that uh, each and every one of you, you are sitting on bubbling crude. And whether you know it or not. And that's one of the things that I keep praying for you, that it would be revealed. That it would be revealed that you would have that eureka moment of recognizing, oh my goodness, I've been sitting on this thing the entire time and I had no idea. Paul says that it's the inexhaustible riches of God that are at your disposal, the inexhaustible riches. I want you to be able to lay hold of that. I meet way too many Christians who are going through life in kind of a, just a, a, a defeated mode or a lack of strength mode or a, a, a victim mode. Our strength is made perfect in Jesus, and we have all the strength that we need in these mortal bodies right now to be able to glorify him, to be able to do uh, the work of the kingdom. And so I pray that it would bubble up like black gold, Texas tea, that we'd be able to recognize it.
Would you turn to one of your neighbors? I, I don't normally do this. Would you turn to one of your neighbors right now and tell them, you have no idea how loaded you are. You have no idea how loaded you are. You have no idea how loaded you are. You have a hope. You have a hope inside of you. And not only do you have a hope for your tomorrows, but you have, through God's grace, you have the strength for your today, whatever you have going on. You are loaded. I pray that you would know about the thing that's already yours. I just pray that you would reveal it to them, Lord. Ephesians 1 says, And his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one that is to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Um, the, my Cliff's Notes version of this is, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the power that lives in you. The same power that raised him from the dead is the one that lives inside of you. Little prayer number three to close up. I want you to know the power of the Spirit. I want you to know the person of Jesus. I want you to know the provision of God. And I want you to know the power of the Spirit. You might be fighting against stuff in your life right now that seems like it's pretty strong. It's not stronger than your God. It's not, and it never is. He's the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, and he happens to live inside of us. His power can't be compared with. It can't be, it's in a class all on its own. My prayer is that you would be able to access that power. Um, my, I, I bought a, a, a semi-new truck several years ago, and it was all shiny. And uh, my neighbor, who I'm good friends with, at the time, he was, uh, he was all excited for me because he'd been wanting me to get a truck forever. And I finally got a truck, and I had all kinds of plans of things I was going to do with it. Immediately after I bought it, uh, I went and I was getting loads of gravel and dirt and mulch and stuff, and I'm just using, I'm just, and I'm like scraping stuff out of it. And my neighbor, he's a different kind of guy. He came over and he was just mortified of what I was doing to this new truck that I was, I can't believe that you're doing that. You're scraping it up, you're doing all these things. And I was like, what would you, did you, what, huh? Like, why did I buy a truck? What would you do? You have a truck? You wouldn't do that? He said, no, I would rent a different one. <laughs> but why would I have something with all that capability and not ever use it? Many of us 
believers, we have all of this power, all of this blessing, all of this provision that's already inside of us, and we don't ever use it. What good's having all that power if you're not going to get out and use it? You have the ability to go out into the world and become a beacon of hope with this thing that's already inside of you if you just use it. I know we're, we're, we're out of time. I won't be able to get to all this kind of stuff, but the, I want, my prayer is that I want you to know about the power of the spirit that is inside of you, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that lives in you, that gives you power over sin, power over mediocrity, power over uh, doubt, power over limitations that you have, power over, um, power over being uh, shy, if you want it to be that. Power over uh, being afraid, because uh, that's one of the things that God gave me. I was afraid of the dark uh, up until I was about a 24-year-old man, until I understood the power of the Spirit that lived in me, and I walked outside and recognized that I'm not afraid of the dark anymore. The dark is afraid of me, and that it has to obey what I tell it to do. And so if I get those heebie-jeebie feelings walking up to the car to unlock it, you guys ever get that? Ooh, is some behind me? I can say, I command you to leave in the name of Jesus. I can plead his blood over my house and not have weird feelings going on in there. Some of you call us and you say, some, something's going on at my house. I'm freaked out. You get freaked out when you don't understand the power of the spirit that's in you and know how to wield it. Whatever it is you have going on, whatever's trying to take you down, if there is something, today uh, I just wanted it to be a reminder that you have a pastor who is praying for you. You have people at this church who are praying for you. More importantly than that, though, you have a Savior whose unlimited power lives inside of you. Let's pray. God, I'm praying for my brothers and sisters in Christ that they would um, just be taking a step closer to knowing who you are, Jesus, the, the implications of what it means, the work that you did on the cross for us, what it means, the, the power of the Holy Spirit that you gave to us. You said, I'm leaving this earth for now. I'm not going to be with you for the time being, but I'm leaving you with a gift that is even better, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and you are not going to believe how incredible this gift is. God, that we would recognize the power that is in us. We just say, come Holy Spirit. Just pray that you would teach us more about who you are. You would teach us more about who we are in your kingdom, that we're sons and daughters of the King. And that makes us royalty, and royal people carry a certain authority with them. 
they carry a certain power with them and they have promises of glory, promises of inheritance, promises of just a continued connection to the royal family. So we thank you for adopting us as sons and daughters. We praise you, Jesus. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Hey, again, um, would love to see you out there getting some free food from the food truck. And if you'd like to join us for the cleaning up Cheviot outreach, um, that would be lovely. Hope to see you guys soon. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.